0: good photography comes from when someone has a good connection to the subject.
1: British documentary photographer, photojournalist and photo book collector Martin Parr is best known for his brightly lit and color-saturated images. After 15 years of taking pictures in black and white, Parr started using commercial photography techniques and principles for his color documentary photography. He has worked on numerous photographic projects and has developed an international reputation for his innovative imagery his oblique approach to social documentary, and his input to photographic culture within the UK and abroad. In 2017, Parr opened his foundation in Bristol, and I was lucky enough to talk with him there about taking pictures, editing documentary work, wearing socks with sandals, and much more. Hello, fellow photographers. Welcome back to the channel. I am here in Bristol at Martin Parr's foundation with Martin Parr himself. Hi. Uh, It's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: I'm impressed that you come all the way from Prague (laughs)
1: to
0: to get to me. Anyone who can do that deserves a good interview.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So you have been taking pictures at places where many people regularly take photos, right? Like, for example, when documenting leisure or uh, exhibitions, festivals. Yet your photos stand out. How do you take pictures that go beyond the mundane level, but also beyond cliché?
0: Well, I often start with a cliche and then try and subvert it. But, uh, you know, I'm interested wherever there's a lot of people and uh, particularly on the tourism project. Uh, So, you know, you you find people swamping to the same places, the places that were very well known in the world, Uh, the pyramids, Eiffel Tower, whatever it is. If there's a lot of people there, I'm happy. And I can get my camera out. And these days, everyone's photographing, they're all photographing on their phones, of course. Hmm. And some of them still have old cameras. And uh, it's quite easy to do. So that always creates a certain amount of energy because it's with a place where everybody wants to be at the same time.
1: And uh, how do people go beyond obvious? For example, how do people put photograph uh, their vacation, their leisure to not look like everything else?
0: I guess, well, I guess people do selfies. And then they want the subject in the background and them and their friends or parents or lovers or whatever in front of it and they don't want anyone else in well as i'm interested in getting everybody who's there in so um you know my job is not to have no people in my job is to have as many people in as possible
1: there's this photo uh in front of the the pizza tower right Mm -hmm. When people kind of kind of pretend to lean in. To me, it looks kind of like a cliche kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So do you have like a particular kind of, I mean, idea how to work with with the background that has been photographed thousands, millions of times?
0: Well, obviously the first thing I noticed about the Leaning Tower pizza is that people do these photos Hmm. where they're trying to catch it or push it or lean it. And uh, I then started to look for people who are doing that and would introduce that into the pictures. And that's what uh, eventually came out as you got two or three people, you know, doing it at the same time. And of course, when you take the the tower away from what they're doing, it looks very bizarre. Mm. And of course, you know, bizarre things make good photos.
1: All right. And then when you photograph subjects, how do you make connection with your subject so it communicates what uh, your particular vision is?
0: Uh, Well, there's certain projects I do where you meet people and you talk to people, you do portraits. I did a lot of work in the Black Country, which is in the middle of England. And uh, there are other projects, like, for example, the tourism one, where you don't need to meet anyone. So it just depends on what project I'm doing and uh, what is required of that. So there are many different ways of approaching doing a photographic project. Uh, And so so that's really what I explore. And will choose a particular way of doing it. And it might mean... Talking to people, it might mean not having to do that at all.
1: So it does have to do something with the personal interest. If the, if the person is like, you know, personally involved in, in the thing they document, it, it helps.
0: Well, of course, I, I like the fact that people do engage with either a sporting event or being at a location. Uh, and that's interesting for me, you know. And when people are watching anything from horse racing to football, you know, I'm photographing people who are actually cheering and shouting and screaming. And responding to their, you know, the race in front of them, uh, and that always or usually can make good photos.
1: Could you tell me a little bit more about your process on location? How uh, when you when you enter a certain location, let's say, let's see, an exhibition or um, the beach. What mm-hmm. What is it that draws you in the, the places or what are you looking for when you start?
0: Well, if I'm going to an event, I'm looking for the places where things sort of, uh, you know, happen. So I'm looking for uh, backdrops, which are very good. I'm looking for places where people come and congregate. Yeah, I'm looking for, uh, you know, where I can come back and take more pictures. Uh, so you identify, if you like, the hotspot locations. And then sometimes you do it by random. You know, sometimes you just see something in front of you and you shoot it straight away and you've got the picture or well, not got the picture, in the case <laughs> may be. Because, you know, I don't take many good pictures. You know, I do a lot of very bad pictures because you have to do a lot of bad ones to get the good ones. So, you know, the struggle goes on to try and make uh, a, a good photo, which is not easy.
1: Mm. So you stick around until you feel you've got something? Well,
0: you it, do the best of, of how you can exploit that situation. You know, if I, if I stuck around until I got something, I might be there for months. <laughs> so that doesn't really work. You know, you do your best of what you can do. And when you get back to edit it, you know, you hope that uh, the picture looks okay.
1: Oh, okay, I see. There are some photographers, and I believe you are one of them, who defined photographic style by taking pictures the way they do. Uh, people like, for example, Alex Webb or Solreiter. Um, Have you ever felt limited by your style because... You have established your brand and your legacy. I mean, sometimes in your career, have you ever felt like I'm Martin Parr, I take pictures a certain way?
0: Well, obviously, when I went to color, because remember I photographed in black and white for about 15 years before I went to color in 82, hmm. 83. Uh, and uh, then I used uh, a medium format camera, which had just been introduced called a plow And I introduced a flash with that and often used the flash you know, during the daylight uh, which gave this sort of rather surreal effect, and because the, the place uh, New Brighton was full of litter, you know, it worked quite well as a as a location. Uh, I don't think the style limits me. I mean, it gives me a great advantage because if you use flash color negative, you get this high sort of saturation, which mm. I t- which you know I'd seen in the commercial world of photography, and then just applied it to doing documentary. And then I did the ring flash a few years later, and that too has a very special look, which I liked, and then applied it to photographing anything from food to close-ups of people so if you like i have these two um things up my sleeve which i <coughs> can then apply to the times when i'm shooting new projects
1: all right so you have never felt like this scene is nice but i won't photograph it because that's not my style or don't that's not what i do
0: well sometimes i'm commissioned to do work but usually it's something i'm interested in doing anyway
2: mm.
0: and then sometimes um I'll, most of the time, I just go and do it for myself and enjoy doing it. Like this weekend, I'll be out shooting uh, because lots of things are happening in July. It's busy. It's summer. And uh, all the people and things that I want to photograph are there in front of me.
1: So I'm wondering, how do you edit your work in a sense? How do you hmm. get from 10,000 pictures to 40 that appear in the book?
0: Right. Well, the first thing I do is, uh, you know, I put them onto the, you know, I'm shooting digitally. So we mm-hmm. load them onto the computer. I look at the pictures, I make an edit, and then we get them printed. And we send them to a lab. Uh, We send the high-res images to a lab, and they come back the following day as uh, 20 by 30 prints. And I will then edit from those prints and put them onto the Magnus site, any that I like. And then I can always refer back to the Magnus site uh, for the pictures that I want to see again. And behind me over here, you can have a look after we've got these grey boxes with uh, three-quarters of a million pictures in all in 2030 starting with black and white going through to analog the color negatives and now the color prints we get from the uh, digital files so we always keep a digital print of all the main pictures i'm interested in and i would basically you know how do i edit i pick out the good ones and forget the bad ones it's that simple (laughs) but you've got to be a bit more generous you have to have a narrative. Because, you know, there might only be three great pictures, but you couldn't have a book with three pictures in. <laughs> it's not possible. So you have to compromise sometimes uh, where images are relaying information that's partly interested in the, the message you're getting across in that particular project.
1: Uh, I'm asking because I know you work uh, rather in series than single pictures, right?
0: So Generally speaking, yeah.
1: Uh, was there ever like a case when you thought like, this is a nice photo, but it doesn't really look good in
0: this series no no because if it if it doesn't i wouldn't use it sometimes you know i make uh, projects just from going through my archive because i have fifty thousand images on the magnum site all high res all ready to download and uh, sometimes you know it said if you came in tomorrow so can we do a book on dogs i'll say yes and i'll pick out the 1500 pictures of dogs and come up with an edit of fifty. So, if you want to commission that, I'm, I'll be going ahead.
1: <laughs> All right. And presenting your photo in the book, there is uh, some sort of idea in, in sequencing, right? Is there a difference between uh, an exhibition and a book? How you sequence your work? Uh,
0: not particularly. I mean, I'd normally, if there is a narrative going through in a book, then I'd try and probably copy that onto the onto the exhibition. But the good thing about a book is it's there forever, and an exhibition comes and goes. So it gives you, uh, you know, I guess a bit of time to experiment. But in the end, it's the book that you really want. All photographers love doing books because it's the, 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 it is their technical legacy. And I've done many books, and I'm very happy about that. Some are not as good as others, but some you know work quite well.
1: And is there a particular idea how you want to communicate your vision when when putting the book together? Uh, Because I can imagine maybe the exhibitions offer something a little bit more different Mm -hmm. with with prints being bigger and with audience being closer to to the work.
0: You know, I make a narrative as Mm. best you can with the pictures that you've got and you try and pair them up or make them single pictures. You design the book like this and I'll be working with an editor, uh, you know, making sure that uh, we both agree on how the sequence should unfold. Mm. Well, they may make suggestions and I will tweak it just depends on each book is a different situation. Depends who's the editor, depends who's publishing it. I work with many different publishers, not just one. Uh so yeah, that's that's how it works. Every it just usually solves itself. It's not a big problem.
1: And do you care about how particle photos will age? Is it a thing you
0: um well I'm interested in the fact that uh, I look at my pictures in the eighties and they look very dated. And some of them have got things like say Tupperware parties which have Mm. disappeared. So you know I like the I like the fact that uh, you know society changes and moves on and part of what i'm recording is that in particular in the in the uk because i've probably done more pictures here than anywhere else
1: that's actually what i wanted to ask next is do you feel that trends spoil the photography because uh, like for example smartphones uh, what people say about smartphones now uh, is perhaps what they said about headphones in mm-hmm. in the 90s and what they said a long time ago about classical cars, right? And Mm -hmm. we now love those classical cars in the photos and, you know, the headphones looks kind of cool and stuff. So do you like trends?
0: Yes, no, I do. I I, I like them. And uh, the smartphone, of course, has probably been the biggest uh, change in our society in the last, say, 30 years. So, you know, I'm very interested in not only using, you know, social media, we have uh, an Instagram account with a lot of followers. So when we do something new, we can let people know what we're up to. But also I've done uh, a book of photographs of people doing selfies mm. called Death by Selfie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I incorporate these things immediately into my work because they're so
1: important. I like what she said about family photography. Um, consider yourself to be a documentary photographer and take this duty to record your family seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of your magnum colleagues, like, for example, Christopher Anderson, have published books dedicated to their families. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you ever thought about making a book like that? Uh,
0: Not really. I mean, I did a whole load of polarize of our daughter when she was very young and was crying. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think uh, they wouldn't be good enough for a book. So, no, it's not something I've considered.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have an advice for people who want to, you know, maybe document their families more seriously than just snapshots well, of a yeah, birthday mean, I
0: guess you need to get away from this idea of everyone smiling at the camera, you know, get people looking serious and, uh, and dignified. And of course, you should also photograph things like your kitchen, your living room, uh, when you're about to do it up and change it, photograph it like it was before. And then in years to come, you can look back and, you know, wonder at how, bad my tastes were Ah, okay so that's always interesting
1: i know you are not one of those photographers who carry the camera 24 7 right Correct, you rather yeah. take your camera when you do uh the assignment and yeah then you don't
0: so yeah i'm either working or i'm not working
1: do you miss photos uh because of this do you kind of like see a situation and thinking about
0: oh i see pictures uh, many often and i haven't got my camera with me i don't mind you know, missing pictures you know i accept i'm going to be missing pictures all the time even when i've got a camera i miss pictures no you've got to be there before it happens and very often you see it and it's gone and it's it's over and ah, you haven't okay. got the picture you know failing is very easy but you just have to sort of uh, keep going and hope that you can
1: get over that you said photography books are very important and yeah. you know i can see it here when we sit yeah we're surrounded thousands. by books uh, of photography books. Uh, what is it that you're looking for when you open photography book or when you try to, or where you tried to learn something from or about other photographers? What are you looking for? When you I'm
0: looking, uh, I guess I'm looking to be surprised. You know, I'm looking for something that, that, uh, that really catches my attention. I mean, we've got all these books around me here. I could go around and pick out maybe 20, which I think are really exceptional. Uh, and they're just books. When you look at it, you haven't seen it before. Most of the books you look at you know you're, you're sort of familiar with you know where they've got their influence from you can read it and you know we're not looking at anything that's uh, that really makes you jolt and think wow that's amazing how did this guy get this or how did this woman take this picture so i'm waiting i think in summary i'm waiting to be surprised and and intrigued
1: so should people with their photography books push more into this direction of what has not been done
0: well, that's easy to say, but most, most of the books that are published, and there must be two or 3,000 photo books published every year, most of them aren't very good. And uh, I guess uh, the reason is because, uh, you know, they thought they got something <laughs> original, when perhaps they haven't. You know, People overestimate their own talents, you know, and often you can look at it and think, well, I've seen all this before. It's very familiar. It doesn't tell me anything new.
1: Okay, so 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 the good photography book for you communicates like a new idea in some sort of original way
0: yeah i'm looking for a personal insight you know i'm looking i mean good photography comes from when someone has a good connection to the subject and they used photography to articulate that hmm. uh, and that really is the bedrock of what all good photography is so that's what i'm looking for but at the same time i'm looking for that unique situation where it's the photographer and the subject and that connection that surprises you or makes you intrigued or makes you want to look at it further. Mm. But as I say, most (laughs) most of the people watching this are not doing very good photography. Okay. And that's because they're a bit lazy. They haven't found the right subject. You know, they like the idea of being a photographer, a street photographer, perhaps. But, you know, they haven't really found their own vision within that. So listen, you lot out there, don't be lazy. Don't overestimate how good you are. Keep working, keep at it. And you might come up with something.
1: All right. Promise? <laughs> I sometimes look at the photos of great photography masters. And even though many of those photos are, you know, masterpieces, sometimes very, sometimes they are very normal looking photos. And when I look at those auctions, they are pictures worth tens of thousands mm-hmm. US dollars with nothing particularly for me, interesting
0: well obviously you know the author of the photographer of the photograph is, is is important if it's a well-known person then that makes all the difference but what you're looking at is the you know the very iconic pictures of these photographers mm. the ones that really stand out and start to sing when you look at them not all of them do that but uh, you know if you look at the uh, prices in auctions mm. it's the best print the most beautiful print of an iconic picture will probably get the best price And rightly so. What you're saying is you get bad pictures in auctions as well, where they're relying on the the reputation of the author. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same for me, you know. I mean, I'm lucky I can get things published. But if I've done 100 books, it doesn't mean there are 100 good books out there. I accept that some are weaker than others and some are stronger. Ah, okay. So, you know, I accept also that I do bad pictures. I keep saying this, but, you know, I have to do all the bad ones to get the good ones.
1: Where do you see future of photography?
0: it's going to grow and grow because you know, there's more people like you interested in it you're providing podcasts on the social media uh instagram is huge so yeah i mean photography shows are very popular uh i mean it's just going to grow and grow so i'm very optimistic about the future of photography i mean it's difficult to earn a living from a f- to be a photographer uh i accept that but uh you know those of you who actually do come up with something that's interesting are going to find it relatively easy to make a living trouble is if that's all you want to do mm. you'll fail so if you sit there like you lot again i'm talking to you and say i want to be a famous photographer you're fucked okay because you'll never do it the people that uh, that really go on and do well are the people that aren't interested in being a famous photographer they're interested in the, the connection and the, uh, and the and the and the fact that they found a subject that really suits them that moves them that makes them feel one way or the other and they're the people that will succeed but if you're sitting here, how can I go out and be a better photographer? By watching your podcast, you're basically failing. All right. Sorry about that, <laughs> Martin. I, I know all you're trying to do is help people. But, uh, you know, in a sense, we shouldn't have any of these podcasts. We shouldn't do interviews because then it would be easier for people to either fail or succeed. Okay. Is it something Yeah. you did? Because, you know, you have all these viewers. How many of these are good photographers, do you think? Well, but... When you look at these pictures come sent to you in competitions, are most of them pretty poor? Uh,
1: I think people are at the different stages uh, at their photography, right? Mm-hmm. And no one is born with taking masterpieces right uh, of right of the bed, right? Uh,
0: so well, I not, think... not out of bed, but often people that you know start young and uh, uh, without knowing much about photography, their best project they'll ever do in their whole life will be that first one. Mm. It's they got that raw energy, which is important. But what I'm saying to you is when you're judging all these pictures, are you thinking, God, this is all boring. I've seen it before.
1: I don't think this about all the photos, but mm-hmm. very often it's the case that someone who is at the, the beginning stages of their photography, they just mm-hmm. take a photo of a very mundane thing, like a mm-hmm. person in the distance walking from behind with no particularly uh, interesting background or anything right. else. So you would say, all right. Uh, this is not particularly interesting, right? But I don't think it disqualifies the people from the act of taking photos mm-hmm. and, and uh, the so opportunity how, to get
0: better. how do you decide what's a good picture then?
1: So I either like it or not. And then I right. try to articulate uh, why I do like it or not. Mm-hmm. I usually then pick like uh, six photos in the end, which goes into this poll, of people voting. Six whatever.
0: different pictures from six different people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or six from one person.
1: No, no, six from different people.
0: Right. Because you could argue, really, you need six from one person to to get any kind of understanding of what their project is. So, one are photos like that? You know, they're a bit random and they don't really tell you much.
1: Mm. I think it's still. You should
0: be judging your photos in groups rather than individually, I see.
1: Yeah, but the groups also consist of individual pictures, right? So, if you get to the yeah. basic level, you have to have some kind of understanding of the single picture, which then can. Uh, I would probably argue there are pictures that work as a single photos, and then there are pictures that rather work within within a group. Right? Okay. Uh, so I think it's a helpful in a sense that when you see particular visions, uh, you can then either ir- incorporate that into your work or you know not touch it at all or mm-hmm. either, like abandon that. Right. For example, if you like this thing of shooting. Uh, silhouettes right Mm -hmm. so then i can tell you all right i think your silhouette kind of lacks the separation and uh let's say the the shape of the silhouette is not quite working and if you're going to use people or if you're going to use silhouettes in your photos it should be for some kind of reason or Mm -hmm. rather just by the design and i think this information can help some photographers and you know some other photographers might be like uh, I already knew that. That's mm-hmm. not, nothing new for me. But if you're not learning, you're not going to get into this stage. Right, okay,
0: of, uh, okay you... but have you had a, a, a photographer come through your system, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, that's gone on and made a book and has become you know, an established uh, figure?
1: So I, I have not been doing this for that long, but mm-hmm. I think there are potential in many people who submit their work, right? which I think eventually can... Because this is a long process, right? Becoming from a from a beginner photographer into someone publishing mm-hmm. a book. So I think eventually I see I see a people who who have the potential to do mm-hmm. this one day. Maybe not now. Okay. Maybe they just publish like a zine of a, a year snaps or mm-hmm. something like that. But okay. I think eventually it's it's a possibility.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, you know, I I can see that you're trying to sort of help this world to develop and become better photographers so in a sense we have to judge you know your success or failure by um the people that come to your system
1: but i don't want it to sound like i i'm doing this only for for other people because what i found is that i learned so much from this uh for example when judging more photos now when i look back in my back catalog i see much more bad photos than i mm-hmm. than i saw before i thought like yeah. wow this is a masterpiece and then i'm now looking at the the photo and i'm thinking like wow like a five-year-old could have taken that <laughs> so and i'm like okay so i got back to i don't know i have like two three images i think mm-hmm. are decent and the rest is kind of like scrubbing yeah. that away yeah. but uh i think it's this experience to being exposed to mm-hmm. many different voices uh that's how I feel you get better. And then you okay. can get in the, into this. Okay, so you kind of figure out how single image works. Now let's figure out how series works. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, fair enough.
0: How, how the difference And your, where do your audience come from? Are they, uh, so it's Czech, worldwide.
1: Uh, America. So it's France, America, UK, UK uh, surprisingly mm-hmm. UK. And uh, I was very surprised when... Uh, being in London, there is a street photographer at each corner. I believe mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very interesting. And right. then uh, also many people from India. I was quite really? surprised. Yeah, yeah, from India and also Italy. Mm-hmm. But the, the India is probably the the most um, it's interesting. The, I mean, like it's interesting for us because we're not living there, right? I was mm-hmm. uh, I was talking with a photographer from japan Japan Mm japan-based photographer and i showed him my images from japan which i thought were quite interesting and he told me like i can go out of the door and take picture like this because that's really not that interesting Mm -hmm. so then i was like aha maybe the environment i think is really interesting is Mm -hmm. unless something interesting is happening there or if I see a subject which I think is particularly interesting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it an interesting photo just by itself.
0: So uh, you're a photographer too, I I gather.
1: So now with with two small kids, I'm like uh, more (laughs) on this family photography side. But I think I will resume my... F- photography because it's hard to tell your wife with two small kids i'm gonna go out uh, shooting for eight hours with mm-hmm. no particular goal in mind right uh
0: yeah that's diff- well, what does she think about you coming from prague to bristol
1: uh <laughs> she's
0: used to you going off so
1: uh I- Sorry, i'm really
0: just interviewing you now. it's, <laughs> it's much more interesting for me <laughs> Because, you know, I know all the answers to the questions you put to me, because I've, uh... I've heard it all before.
1: <laughs> so this was... Uh... Next,
0: I'm going to get your work out and doing a crit on it.
1: <laughs> so it was rather difficult to get in this position. And I think mm-hmm. I I told her this idea like a year ago. Right. And uh, gradually... She's supportive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she's supportive enough to the point where she let me... To to Let leave you for go.
0: three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I think it will be um
0: not away for three weeks. It, it will now, be I...
1: compensated.
0: Okay. Yeah. When you go home. How old are your kids?
1: So my kids are uh two and a half and half.
0: Oh right. And half. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So still changing nappies and things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah for for the one of them yes but uh, my my, um, my mother-in-law is teacher mm-hmm. and she has vacation basically during right. summer so that's why I picked this I didn't pick it because I I thought it's gonna be particularly mm-hmm. great to be at, uh 35 degrees of Celsius outside <laughs> uh, taking photos uh, I picked it because it was the only possibility basically
0: yeah got it okay
1: so uh what I'm interested in now, as a photographer, like at, at this stage, is you know taking pictures of a of a small children and stuff, which is rather difficult nowadays on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Taking pictures yes. of children, and also I know you took a lot of pictures of children on beach uh, sure. or beaches, right?
0: Uh, but, you know, I did that uh, thirty five years ago, and people didn't really think twice about uh, photographing. Mm. But now, if you photograph on a beach with kids, you've got to get permission. You know, the the things have changed, you know, because you're always being, you know, here I'm a white, old, middle-aged man, well, no, old rather than (laughs) middle-aged, you know, I could be a pedo for all they know. So people are very apprehensive. That's one reason why I've started using the uh, telephoto lens a lot more, because then you don't have to get, you know, permission, because you can photograph people from above, and uh, I'm exploring the possibilities of that. I did one book with the telephoto called Beast Therapy, and I'm continuing
1: to do pictures in that style. Mm. So this might be one of the trends, which is quite disturbing. This, uh, you know, what? what goes with the street photography and kids mm-hmm. and everything. Right. Do you think there is a possibility or danger of street photography being banned eventually with all those that, like uh, GDPR and kind of stuff?
0: That's always a possibility. So yeah, that's why you have to get out now while you still can. <laughs> but you know, different kinds of different rules. Uh, I mean, France and Germany are, are problematic now to photograph in. Uh, but UK, America... Italy, I imagine, you know, it's still fine. You can still take pictures in a public place and publish them. All right. And no one can come at you for doing that.
1: One of my last questions, what is it about socks and sandals that you
0: like? <laughs> I just like, uh, you know, at the moment I haven't got any socks on at all because okay. it's, it's really warm. But yeah, it's a very British thing. And I, I basically pull people's leg about like that. So I've made it into a joke almost. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I have indeed photographed people with socks and sandals. And uh, I'm always delighted when I come across people with their feet up, say, showing their socks. I'll always photograph that. Ah, I can't get get enough of socks and sandals.
1: (laughs) So it's something you also enjoy.
0: Yes, I do it myself as well.
1: If you have to give one piece of advice to your younger
0: self (laughs) when starting with photography, what would it be? Work harder and don't overestimate your talents. Okay. Which is what we've talked about before.
1: Mr. Parr was also very kind and showed me his library, gallery, and his archive. This is a small tour around his foundation.
0: Yeah, so here we are in the gallery. Uh, this is a show which we're just hanging out from uh, a photographer called Tessa Bunny. She's over here. Hi, Tessa. <laughs> this this guy's from um, Prague.
1: Hello. He My
0: name is Martin. Hi. Martin. Barman. Oh, hi. So you just me. done an interview. Thank you. we're just having a little tour. <laughs> And uh, this is Nathan, who's uh, yeah, designed the exhibition, does our social media. This is Martin, podcast guy from yeah. Prague. Hi. Came all the way from Prague, I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah. He came on a smelly bus from well, London.
1: London. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's, it's quite an interesting city, quite different from, uh, from the part of London I'm now staying at. And yeah. um, on the far wall, is it, is
0: it 160 is it? 160? Oh, all different varieties of apples. Of
1: this? Okay.
0: And they're all um, sized to be um, life size. they life
2: size.
1: yeah. Ah, okay.
0: So big, so small.
1: And so, w- w- what is this particular project about?
2: Uh, It's about cider making in Somerset.
1: Ah, okay. So,
2: do you know where this is? you know Cydeless?
1: Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, Do you have like a particular relationship with with the project? Uh, I mean...
2: Well, Martin asked me to do this.
1: She's the project, Yeah, we I mean, commissioned her to do this project. I ah, okay. But I
2: actually come, I grew up in this area, so I did know some of the cider makers already, but not that many because I didn't have a car, so I never really travelled around until I left. All right. But the, this is an exhibition orchard um, where they're trying to protect all the different varieties. They have over 400, but they weren't all ready at the same time.
1: Okay. So, so they're trying to preserve different types of.
2: Varieties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just make sure there's somewhere in the country that they can draw on the, the seeds if they need to.
1: And how long does it take to, to do a project like this?
2: When did we started in 2019.
0: We got interrupted by Covid. Hmm. Yeah,
2: it was a year and a bit, two seasons of cider making, so they make it in autumn. All right. So that was the idea, but then it all went a bit pear shaped because of COVID, so I couldn't come down for a bit. And then when I did come down, I couldn't necessarily do everything I wanted.
1: Uh, Okay. And
2: they didn't make cider for a year because they couldn't sell it because there were no festivals and things. Ah, okay. So it all went a bit... Pear-shaped,
1: apple-shaped, apple-shaped, yeah. So that's
2: life. And actually it became more interesting in some ways.
1: Ah, I see.
2: I'm glad it didn't happen sooner though, and I'm glad I got that first year yeah, under yeah. my belt. Right. Otherwise I would just start panicking.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what should people take from this when they see this?
2: Well it's about artisan cider makers, you know, the they're very anti the fruit ciders that you get these days that the young they say the young people prefer. They don't consider it to be cider, and they say there's no mango trees in Somerset, so why would you make cider out of mangoes? So um, I I guess that's, you know, it's about tradition and um, the landscape and the importance of orchards Mm -hmm. and a lot of different things, really. It became much more about the orchards in the end. And how many pictures
1: did you take for this?
2: Oh, oh God, I've no idea. I ended up with a... Short, sure, was a few hundred. And then uh-huh. Martin and I went through and selected
1: these. Was it particularly difficult to figure out how to, you know, sh- shoot these individual apples? Uh, well,
2: actually, I, asked my, I told my husband what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And I said I want to photograph them, but I don't want a shadow and I don't want them to sit them on something. And he made me a background that was like this, in a stand and then a spike.
1: Ah, so it's sticked on...
2: So it's stuck on a spike. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, I gave him a little task uh, <laughs> to help me with a technical difficulty.
1: So this is the space where you run all the exhibitions? Yeah, we only
0: do four shows a year. This year we've done five, in fact. And um, yeah, and there's great freedom for the artist to. Yeah, I mean, if they have ideas, I mean, I can't remember how this came up, this uh, you know display of apples, but I think as soon as it was mentioned, we all thought, what a great idea. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: What's coming next?
0: Uh, we have a, a guy from um, uh, Leicester. Okay. Uh, he's photographed the Gujarati community there. He's a Gujarati himself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it's a very good project about. Um, you know, this side of uh, Asian people living in, in Leicester.
1: Ah, okay.
0: A town or city in the UK. All
1: right. And how do people how do people come to, you know, being able to have an exhibition here? Today? Well,
0: we, we look for people. You know, sometimes we look at famous photographers doing something, you know, showing something new. Uh-huh. And emerging photographers. We're very keen. I mean, Tessa's quite an established photographer. okay. So she's been around for a good while and done many projects, uh, and we thought she was the ideal person to do something about side making.
1: Ah, has there been something recently that surprised you from, uh, you know, photographers that have already been around for a while?
0: No, um, yeah, you you see nice work, mm. yeah, and uh, you know if something like that happens, we we will try and show it. But we're overwhelmed. You know, we like to be doing um, 20 shows a year. That we <laughs> okay. Can't, it's quite a struggle to even do four, because all these pictures are being printed here in the studio.
1: Oh, okay. But how long does it take? Is it like a week to set it up or uh, less?
0: Yeah, well, we have like a, yeah, like a two-week gap between shows. Mm-hmm. This show will open next uh, Thursday.
1: Ah, okay. With the opening. And then there is an admission to, to see the show? Or? No, no, everything's free. Oh, okay, so yeah. how, how is it funded? By, by me. Just by you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but also,
0: no, we, we have a membership scheme. We ah, okay. We sell books. You know, we have a very good Prince. online. Yeah, I mean, I sell prints individually uh-huh. and I give money to the foundation. Ah, okay. Let's continue the tour. Perfect. Yeah, so this is our archive. This is where we keep all the prints. We have maybe 10,000 prints in here. Oh, okay. 5,000 by me, maybe, in these boxes here. My vintage prints, old prints, master sets of prints. And then all these um, different folios, collections of books, framed pictures. We have you know, museum style uh, shelving. Uh, this is a huge computer. And this is uh, my neg room. I keep all my negatives.
1: Ah, okay. I just put the light on. From the time you were shooting film? Yeah, yeah. So that's my analog history. Ah, okay. Which is not not growing anymore. No, no, no. It's all digital now. And this is the computer that holds all the digital files? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's an
0: 83 uh, eight megabyte computer.
1: 83? It's big. A, a terabyte? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. That's uh, bigger than my computer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it talks to another computer every night.
1: So we back up. Ah, okay, okay. Yep. That's amazing. And this is also air conditioned, I can imagine, it is, right? It's nice and
0: cool, constantly, this temperature. That's what they like, it's steady. And you know, all these drawers are full of prints, if you look here, for example. Mm-hmm. You ready with this?
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so these are pictures done in Butlin's holiday camp. So when someone purchases a print, you either find it or you print it. Well,
0: these aren't my images. Uh huh. These are by someone else. This is a, a set, you know, photographer that we actually market.
1: Mm, but I mean, from the foundation.
0: Yeah, well, these would be sold uh, from uh, my company.
1: Mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this foundation activities are different to my company activities. Now, who are these photographers? You, this is a quiz, you need to tell me who they are.
1: Who they are? Yeah. Alright. So um the left one is, is pretty easy because that's uh, Cartier Bresson. Correct. Right. And uh is it the American flag? Is it like a Robert Frank? Correct. Okay. And then <laughs> and then I'm kind of lost.
0: So well above that, you must get that. Uh that one? Yeah.
1: The water towers. Mm-hmm. Who would
0: that be? That's the Bechers. Who? The Bechers. I don't know. They're the German artists.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Probably the most influential people to to make photography part of the art world. Ah, okay. And this is a, a Nick Watkinson.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and that's a René Matique. And above that's Peter Mitchell.
1: Are those which you particularly like? That's why yeah, they are there. there. We
0: have. We change it and we... Put pictures up here. But yeah, it's a nice opportunity to show I and mean, we have all these pictures which aren't you know we have done exhibitions <laughs> of the collection. Okay. But most of the time they're hidden away.
1: So this is like an exhibition for the for yeah, the workers of the foundation.
0: Roger Main. He's a Nigel Henderson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's just came in this week in fact. Right.
1: And you moved it uh, three years ago from London? Five years ago. Five years ago, okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is uh, Raphael's book. Raphael's book.
1: Nathan? It's something for the Ukraine.
0: Yeah. So this is the thing that Raphael did, right? Yeah. It's free, have one.
1: Oh, thank you. It's a newspaper?
0: Yeah, so Raphael Melak lives in Warsaw, uh, and this is the thing he did about the protests there. Oh, there's another one. So, yeah, here we're in the library. Mm-hmm. So we have all the magazines up there, picture posts, creative camera, Irish, Scottish, Welsh books, British books here. So
1: that's where the public can come in and just sit you know, and... The, the,
0: the, if you're a member, you can come in and okay. have a book a library session. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So you can just, you know, ask for a yeah, particular... Yeah, you can say
0: what particular photography you want to look at.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Then yeah. you can make like a copy or something like that? No, no, we
0: give them the book to look at.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, can study it for copy. yourself.
0: All right. And then these are international books. And uh, this is where our archivist lives, but he's not here today. Mm-hmm. This is Charlotte. She's in charge of... Um, uh, this is Hello. Martin from Prague.
1: Martin. Hi. I'm Martin Hello from Martin. Prague. <laughs> yeah, she's in charge
0: of all the exhibitions and all the print sales. Oh, okay. Uh, this is the next book. It's about uh, a village near to Bristol.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mike, you there. Yeah. These look pretty good, don't you think? Yeah. Have you been through them? We just Is there uh, anything that needs changing? Oh. <laughs> yeah, anything needs changing? What do you think?
2: Mm, we're just laying them out at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing this is the this is the second batch that they changed. Right. Um, this is the first
0: batch. So we're just going to so they, did they come up? Did they finally show up today? Today, yeah. Right. Um, really. So, so this is part of the, this is the second set. So this
2: is the this is the second set. These are our um, FPs. Yeah. And then they only managed to print a few before they had right. to uh, send them out. So we're just going to have a look at them mm-hmm. against
0: against those. Where is this from? They're being printed in Denmark. Actually, oh, okay. This book, very good printers. Well, they all look pretty good to me. Nothing I can. Is there anything you spotted? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think it looks, it looks pretty good. Yeah,
0: it's felt I just thought for a minute that was a bit dark. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only. I, I say it's a bit dark at the bottom there, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Other and than that.
1: that.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, because look, this hand is—it's just better here, isn't it? That's yeah. the only one I fault. Right.
2: What about? Um... Bit, uh, is that a bit
0: dark? No, that's okay, I think. All right. Yeah, I'd say again it's a little bit could do with a bit more contrast, you think?
2: Yeah, it's a bit flat, isn't
0: it? Mm-hmm. This is a sort of lost a bit. So yeah, it could be this is better, isn't it? So those two are the ones I obviously a bit weak on the darker pictures, yeah? Mm,
2: I think they took, I think Charlotte said they took some um,
0: yellow out mm-hmm. of the set in co- comparison to this set.
2: And we're a bit warmer here than there. They mm-hmm. yeah, added more contrast and took out some yellow. So they added more contrast on On the, on the second okay. set. Mm-hmm. So maybe a bit more again, you think?
0: Possibly, awesome, yeah. 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 I mean, it's pretty much nearly there, but... Where's the print of that? Do you think that's... All right. Oh, that's okay, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Don't change it for the sake of it, otherwise they will make it worse. Yeah, I think they're fine, except for those two.
2: They have to do a blanket change <laughs> on, on everything, don't they? Do they? Isn't that right, Char? If they change something on press, they have to do it, it's like a change, and it affects when everything. yeah. it um, gets to the life stage, I think, it, they change it on, like, if you print your book and that it's on a plane mm-hmm. to yeah. images or...
0: Sure. Right. But they should be able to work this out. Well. Um, anyway, that's. It looks good. Generally. Cool.
2: Mike, was the cover going to be pink or is it being pink print? Yeah. Yeah. Pink paper. Yeah. So yeah. Pink paper? It's that's that they've sent for the cover. P- yeah. Colour. Yeah.
0: So, so look. Oh, that should be pink.
2: Yeah, that's what you we were wondering.
0: Yeah, it should be pink, and the and the cover should be. Um, that's the French cover. So
2: that's the jacket to go on the French. Yeah.
0: It? So yeah, this should be pink. And then the uh, the background should be slightly darker pink. So they got that completely wrong. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. And that's um, that's the French cover, so that's okay. Yeah, that's French, as you can see. Okay. Uh, these are the great boxes I was talking about. All the mm-hmm. Twenty, thirty prints in, and here's the kitchen. That's it now. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. All right. Feel so free to do some. Uh, thank you. Take uh, cutaways if you want.
1: So thank you very much for okay. your time. It was a pleasure honor to be here. Right. And uh, I wish you the best with uh, with the foundation.
0: Right. I wish you the best with your podcast. Thank you. Okay. Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening or watching to this podcast. If you like it, definitely check my previous one with Magnum photographer Jonas Bendixson, and I'm sure you're going to love that one as well. Thank you once again, and until next time.